This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you for honoring God today. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling together. So there must be a blessing when you come to church. And I believe that is that. So you come under a blessing today. I like to say it this way. When you give God the first fruits of your week, watch what God will do the rest of your week. If you're a visitor, we're honored to have you with us. If you're watching live stream, we're glad you're with us. Go to the book of Numbers chapter 6. Number 6, we're in our series here on the blessings deal. So we'll keep going. Numbers chapter 6, which is one of our main scripture texts. And as you're going there, you know, sometimes in this life it gets really difficult. Sometimes it gets real hard. But I believe it's very important that instead of telling God how big your problems are, you tell your problems how big your God is. And God will really begin to work. And so a word gaze, the word gaze means to look upon, to fix your eyes behind, actually means to behold. And so where we're at in a society right now, man, Gaze on the Lord. Fix your eyes upon the Lord. Hold fast to the Lord, unlike any other time, even in your trust. Now, we begin here in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. You'll say to them. You'll speak to them. You'll pronounce over them. I do believe in the power of the tongue. We talked about that last week, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. But again, the, the thing is with this is I, I can't look at this as some magical formula where I think I can repeat this over and over and it'll just happen. Many times the, the things of God, or the majority of the time, is they come by obedience. When I obey the Lord, and if we were to look at the blessings in Deuteronomy 28, starting in verses 1 and 2, it's very important that we realize God wants to bless you. But it's also tied to my obedience to the things of God. So we must instruct and we must teach in the area of obedience. So as we get ready to take off here, the upcoming weeks, not today, but the upcoming weeks, we'll read verse 24, 25, and 26. These are three poetic lines each year with each line with two verbs and, and Father God as the subject of both verbs. And you'll see that in the upcoming week. So we, we dive into verse 24 today. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And so the word bless there means God wants to prosper you physically, spiritually, mentally, and even emotionally. But God looks to ones that really, really trust him, that we learn to respond to the, word, the, the voice of God. So I, I can't compromise God's word. Does God want to bless you? Absolutely God wants to bless you. God wants to be good to every one of us. But it comes back to my obedience with him. So the Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. And that phrase there, the Lord keep you, it literally means to protect you against harm. That God wants to safeguard you. He wants to watch over you. 
And if you'll note, he said, you will say this, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And so I believe that's for each one of us individually, but it's something that you can pray over your children. It's something you can pray over your grandchildren that God wants to bless you. God wants to keep your children. And so one of my favorite Psalms is Psalms 23. And so to help you illustrate that today, I brought my rod and my staff in here. And so Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie ground in green pasture. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now this is Psalms 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk in darkness. He said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. His rod and his staff comfort me. His rod and his staff comfort me. So when we talk about the rod and the staff, it's the same stick. It just has different meanings. And when we talk about the staff, the staff is how God chooses to lead us. It's like a shepherd in the field. He leads us by the still waters. He leads me into the green pastures. And so sometimes the Lord has to take this, this staff and, and he nudges us. God never beats us with the staff. He nudges us to guide us, to direct us. And the farther that I go along in this thing called life, I, I welcome the God who directs me. The God who leads me by the still waters to the green pastures. But when we talk about the rod, the rod was used as a weapon to protect us. And so when uh, uh, an animal would come around the sheep, the shepherd would take his rod and he would literally bust them over the head with it. So literally, this rod is to beat the snot out of the enemy. Not out of you and me, but out of the enemy. And so God wants to protect us. He, he wants to keep us from harm. He wants to keep you. Now turn to Psalm 91, which is also one of my favorite psalms. And I want to break this down because there's some nuggets in here today that I, will, I believe that will help you, not only in your life, but what you can begin to pray. And not only pray, you can expect this for your life, that the Lord will keep you. You know, I, I really believe this with all my heart, that we probably won't know fully how many times the Lord kept us in this life and we weren't even aware of it. It'll be interesting when we get to heaven to be able to see the replay of our life and you're gonna look and think, man, when I was on my way to school as a little guy, the Lord watched over and he kept me. And then when you get older and older, and so we go here to Psalms 91, Moses wrote this Psalm, and when Moses wrote it, he talks about a safe place. The safe place he's talking about, starting verse one. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Now, before I go any further on that, I, I want to highlight what he said. He who dwells. 
The word dwell means to live. It means a habitation. It doesn't mean that I come around God only when I need something or I want something. And I believe many times that's how we treat God. We treat God almost like a a life jacket. Is God against helping me? Is God against bailing me out? No. But, But God, and if this bothers you, forgive me. But God doesn't like to be treated like this sugar daddy in the sky, okay? That's not our God. He who dwells in the secret place, he who frequents the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And when we see the word of the shadow of the mighty, of the Almighty, that's what Moses was describing as our, our habitation or a secret place. And I can go to that place against founded attacks, unfounded attacks. God's always open to that. And when you see the phrase there, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the name of the Almighty is a covenant name of God called El Shaddai, the more than enough God. We serve the more than enough God. He's El Shaddai. He's not El Cheapo. He's not El Broco. He's not El Crazio. He's the more than enough God. And right here, he sets the table for us as children of of the Most High. And he says in verse 2, And I will say of the Lord, I will declare of the Lord, He is my fortress. He's my, my, my refuge, my fortress, my God in him will I trust. And when you read this here and I declare it, he's my place of safety. And what would happen if we begin to start our day with this? And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him will I trust. And we live in uncertain times right now where I really, really need to get over this and I put my trust in God. Do I really trust in God? Verse number three. Surely he has delivered us from the snare of the fowler. He's rescued us from every trap and from the peerless pestilence, even from every form of accusations that come against us. So when you see there the peerless pestilence, It's attacks that come in forms of a plague. So would COVID-19 be a plague? Yep, it would. But it's interesting, he said, and from the peerless pestilence, verse 4, and he shall cover you with his, his feathers, his massive arms, and under his wings you shall take refuge. For his truth, which is the word of God, shall be a shield and a buckler. So when you look at this, he's talking about the word of God becomes part of my armor. In Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says, take on the shield of faith. Verse 17, Ephesians 6, 17 says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
And so I learned to live by the truth of the word of God. But think about this with the word of God. When the Lord Jesus was being tempted by the devil, this is all Matthew 4, on three different times when the devil messed with him, you know what his response back to him was? It's written. It is written. You want to shut the devil up? Tell him what's written. Begin to speak the word to him. And so this is part of the, the, the psalm here under the, the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. How many have ever been afraid of the terror by night? Nor of the arrow that flies by day, tragedies and misfortunes. Nor of the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor the destruction or disaster that lays waste at noonday. And so when you see this here, the Lord's not just talking about mere physical dangers but he's getting over on spiritual things too that try to come after us in the spirit realm verse 7 a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it shall not come near you thank you Lord for keeping me verse number 8 Only with your eyes shall you look or be a spectator and see the reward of the retribution of the wicked. Only with your eyes. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, which means a shelter and a place of trust, even the Most High, your dwelling place, which describes here a security of dwelling together as if in a marriage covenant. You know, if you've been married ever long, how many have figured it out? In marriage, you don't take days off. Boy, Pastor, I wish we did. No, you're always together. You're always one. And this is how God is with us right here. He goes on to say in verse number 10, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. When I walk closely and in an intimate way with him, day after day after day after day, because you've delighted in me. Now I'm on the end right there on verse 10. It keeps going. I encourage you to read the rest of that. Make that part of your prayer. Speak that over your children because we serve a God who says, I want to keep you. So as I'm studying on these lines, I said, Lord, give us us a biblical passage here that would really, really make this clear about how much you want to keep us. Go with me to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. You'll go to Isaiah, then Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. Daniel 3, Lamentations is in there too. Daniel chapter 3. Now, I'm, I'm going to read a large portion of chapter 3. It's going to be very lengthy in Scripture, okay? Hang in there with me because almost every verse is going to have a spiritual nugget for each one of us in here. So as you're going to Daniel 3, I'm going to set the table for you. There's this ungodly king who's what we call a Chaldean. The Chaldean were fierce, they were vicious, they were into every form of witchcraft. 
They were magicians and they were sorcerers. So this king's name is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has this brilliant idea. I'm going to make this golden image, which was a demon. And if you studied the, the, the structure of this golden image, its height was 60 cubits and its width was six cubits. If you really want to study this, that number right there equals in the Hebrew numbers 666, the mark of the beast, okay? So it's pointing toward the Antichrist. So this king, he has the thought, we're going to make this huge, huge image, and then I'm going to bring out my band with all these instruments, and they're going to begin to play these songs, and when they hear the sound of the music, everybody is going to bow to this golden image and worship. Now, if you don't bow in worship, I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. Now, this fiery furnace was big enough for people to go in because this is where they made their bricks at. So, to keep helping you a little bit with this, there were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't name your children those names, okay? They'll never be able to pronounce those. So we pick up in the story in chapter 8, Daniel 3, verse 8. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans, which Nebuchadnezzar was, they came forward and they accused the Jews and they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree or issued a decree that everyone, when they hear all these musical instruments, shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, they have not paid due regard to you. In other words, what he's talking about is, is they refuse to pay attention to you. They do not serve your gods. And look how gods are spelled there, little g. Or worship the golden image which you have set up. So what goes on here is they begin to pressure these three Hebrew boys to change their identity to change their lifestyle, to change who they believe in. How many have ever been pressured with your walk with Jesus? How many have ever been persecuted with your walk with Jesus? See, most of us in here as Americans, we're not persecuted like that. We, we really do not understand what it looks like to, to be a biblical martyr. I believe you're seeing more and more of that take place in America, and I believe you're going to continue to see more and more of that. But I've never had a gun pointed at me to say, defy Jesus or I'm going to kill you. Now, I have a friend that that took place at. He was in the former Soviet Union that took place at. You know, a couple of years ago, my brother was in Egypt. And they would say that, be careful who you tell that you're a Christian and stuff. And so he said one night, him and his, his uh, interpreter, out of all places, I always found this real humorous, they were eating at a Kentucky Fried Chicken in Cairo. 
His finger looking good, I guess. And he said, we're in line to order. And there was a guy who stood behind us and he said, are you a Christian? And my brother said, I looked at my interpreter, how do I answer this? And he said, I told the guy, yeah. So they go through the line and a few minutes later, this guy comes over and says, can I sit down with you? And he said, yeah. So this guy begins to share with my brother that he was a Muslim. He was part of the Muslim Brotherhood. And he said, my goal in life was to see how many Christians I could kill. And he said, one night as I lied in my bed, he said, this man stood over me. And he put out his hands like this. And he said, I saw the nail prints in his hands. And he said, I realized that was the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said to him, if you don't give your heart to me, you'll spend eternity in hell, but also all your family members because you don't know the truth. This guy said, that day I gave my heart to Jesus. And he said, every day of my life, I live as a martyr. He said, I know the, the, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is after me. They're going to try to kill me. And his exact words were this. He said, I know I'll die as a martyr for Jesus. And after he says this to my brother, he looked at my brother and said, you guys get out of here as fast as you can. He said, we grabbed our food and we took off. He said, I don't know what took place that day. So this is where me and you come into the story. What would you do if you were to told to, to turn and not identify your life with Jesus or go to the fiery furnace? How would you respond? But when I read this passage of these guys, I find out they love Jesus so much, it didn't move them to die as a martyr. The apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. In, in Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, the Lord Jesus said this, he who acknowledges me before men, I'll acknowledge him before the Father, but he who denies me before men, I'll deny him before the Father. And he's talking about that publicly. How well do you do? Would people be shocked if you told them you were a Christian? And so we begin to get a glimpse, and that's why I love to read these stories. One, because I put myself in there, and I think, what would I do in this situation? Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, he gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. And the reason he's doing this, he said, well, maybe they misunderstood what was told to them. Maybe they didn't get it. Verse 14, but Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to him, that you do not serve my gods, or you do not worship the golden image which I have set up. Now, if you are ready at the time when you hear all these musical instruments, which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, firing furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? 
who's the God who will deliver you from my hands? Well, one problem with the king here is the king forgets he's just a man, and the king doesn't understand that they have a God who wants to keep them, a God who wants to watch over and protect them. Now, a minute ago, I quoted Matthew 10. Your homework assignment for the next week is read Matthew 10, verse 27 through about verse 39. Listen to this. This is Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And you know what this is talking about, guys? Don't fear man. Who we need to fear is Father God, and I'm talking about in a godly way. And so I highlight this because there's a thing called eternity. And when you study the great men and women of the Bible, death didn't freak them out. Death didn't bother them. And I think we here as, as Americans at times, we really don't understand the significance of eternity. Because the Lord Jesus is saying in the scripture, Come on and be with me. Come on and be with me. Come on and be with me. So this king threatens them with their life. Verse 16. But the three Hebrew boys answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now they don't say this in a disrespectful way, but... There's really no point. We don't have to make excuses. We don't have to rationalize. Okay, so he's getting ready to get real intense. You kind of get the picture. So if it was getting real intense on you, would you have the thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and bow to this idol. And then after it's over, I, I can tell the Lord, well, Lord, I really didn't mean it. I, I just did it for peace. Do I make excuses? Do I try to rationalize or do I say, you know what? Jesus is my source. Jesus is my life. Jesus is who I trust. Verse 17. Woo, now listen real close to this. If that is the case, our God, capital G, our God whom we serve, our God, whom we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. He's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. They were moved a bit. Verse 18. But if not, let it be known to you, O king. But if not, you know what that tells me? We win. The apostle Paul said in, in Philippians 1, he said, for me to live is for Christ, but to die is the gain. Do you know what he else went on and said? To depart and be with Christ is far better. Far better. And I had two, two men on our prayer team in the, the first service. One of them's wife was dear to me. She died two years ago. 
The other man, his son passed away when that boy was 33 years old. So both of them understand what death is. But you know what they both realized? If the one man's wife could come back right now or the one man's son would come back right now, you know what they'd both say? I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back. You know why? Because heaven is a place where there's no more crying, there's no more tears, there's no more pain. It's a place of perfect peace. And so again, this is what these guys understood. They go on and say, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Regardless of the consequences, we're not going to waver. We're not going to negotiate. We're not going to waffle. We're not going to cry, Dad. This is who we are. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed toward the Hebrew boys. And he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty or strongest men of valley who were in his army to bind the three. And he cast them into the burning fire furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments. And they were cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up the three Hebrew boys. Now, every time I read that, if I was a spectator and the very ones who were the strong ones picked you up to throw you in, and instead of you dying, they died, I think I'd back up and say, tell me about the God you serve. They die, but the three Hebrew boys get thrown in. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. How did this ungodly king recognize the fourth was the Son of God? Ooh, I believe Jesus was in his glory and his splendor. And I believe when he saw the Son of God, it shook him to the bones. It shook him to the core. And the fourth one was like the Son of God. And so this shows me something here, that when we get into harm's way, that we got a God who says, and the Lord keep you. And the Lord will keep you. And the Lord will keep your children. And the Lord will bless you. Just a couple more scriptures, verses. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the fiery furnace and he spoke saying to the Hebrew boys, servants of the whole most high God, servants of the most high God, you servants who wouldn't waffle, you servants who wouldn't cry it, you servants who wouldn't bow to peer pressure, come out and come here. And then he brought his high ranking officials together and they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. 
The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, and he delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any other God except their own God. And we need to shout today to understand we serve a God who will keep you. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but man, let this soak in you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And I don't know what your children are going through right now, but you can still pray this over them. And I believe we got a God that hears our prayers. And so my goal today is to, to put a hope of, a dose of hope within you. To stir up the things of God. The Lord keep you. And the Lord keep you. You know, as I was reading this and studying on it this morning, man, it just began to roll in me. Psalms 91 and I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him will I trust. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him will I trust. And the more I begin to say it, something begin to originate on the inside of me and something begin to change and I realize I got a God who's my refuge, who's my fortress. And again, you may be in a fire right now. Maybe you may be in a situation where it, it strangled the life out of you. God loves you and God's for you. And I can tell you something. I'm not lucky. It almost bothers me when people say, you're lucky. I believe in the providence of God. That I have a God that has foresight I have a God that cares about me. I have a God who protects me. Do you know I serve a God that he knows how many hairs I have on my head. Just don't turn loose. You can change colors, just don't turn loose. Do you know God loves you so much you're the only person with that thumbprint. God loves you so much that he said in Psalms 139, I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you. You know what that means? You're not a piece of junk to God. And my thoughts toward you are good to give you a future. That's what God says about us. And God wants to keep you. Why don't you stand on your feet right there where you're at? Will there be seasons that I get thrown in the fire? There'll be seasons. I heard a pastor say this the other day. We can have big, big crowds at our churches. But big crowds don't symbolize if we're prepared or not. 
I heard a college football coach say this, this yesterday after a loss. He said, when you lose a football game, you find out what type of culture you're around and what type of character you have. The only way you find out culture and character is when life gets hard. This is Psalms chapter 4, verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and in sleep. I will both lie down in peace and in sleep. Now, off of that statement right there, let me ask you something. How well you sleeping at night? Do you walk in peace? For you alone, O oh Lord, you make me dwell in safety. And I serve a God that wants to keep me. And so if you're here today and you've been struggling areas of your life and you may walk in fear toward your life or maybe you've got kids and you've been in fear, man, we serve a God that says, come on. Come on. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We come under the shadow of the Almighty and I'll say the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Have you been dwelling or are you just visiting? See, I believe God's wanting our hearts today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there and close your eyes. You know, the only one that knows the condition of your heart is you and God. Is you and God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it in these lines here, but you're going to spend somewhere eternally. And the only one that gets to choose that is you. Because Father God said in Peter, he said, he doesn't desire that any perish. But I must surrender my heart. I must say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of sin. And I invite you to come in and be Lord of my life. And when that takes place, when Jesus becomes Lord of your life, you can skip you can skip and hop and jump and say, and I will say of my Lord, he is my refuge, my friend, because I'm a child of God. And so if you're here today, and if I had to look you in the eye and say, can you tell me where you'll spend eternity at? And you can't immediately answer to that. That ought to put a question in your heart. Because if you ask me, Pastor, where are you going to spend eternity at? I'm going to tell you, I've got a postmark on me right now that says eternity in heaven. Not because of anything I've done except receive Jesus as Lord. And when you stand on Romans 10, 9 and 10, he said, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and something happens. So whether you're here or by live stream, and if that's you today, I, I welcome you. Just get out of your chair and make your way down here. And the reason I'm telling you you got to make your way down here, remember what the Lord Jesus said. If you acknowledge me or deny me, something happens when we walk before men 
that's you today. Don't leave here that way. Don't leave. Is there anybody here like that? Well, we'll take it. You're born again or God's really, really dealing with your heart. The second thing I'm going to do is we're going to open up these altars. And as our team gets ready to sing, and I, I welcome you to come down here. And it may be over your life that you quote number 624. Woo, the Lord bless me. The Lord bless me and the Lord keep me. And then you look over your family members or whoever's with you to say, and the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. Because we serve a God. And he says, I want to protect you from harm. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.